listening to Halloween Unleashed. What did you do with Marnie? She's on the cutting room floor. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Today is a banner day in the history of the show, the short history. Um, we are joined today by Miss Deborah Voorhees, former model, play-play bunny, teacher, broadcast journalist, uh, writer, and of course now sits in the director's chair with her film 13 Fanboy in production now. Miss Voorhees, how are you doing today? I'm doing terrific, Dylan. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. I couldn't... I couldn't uh, be any happier right now i got you on the show um everyone who knows me knows i am a huge fan of friday the 13th so this is pretty uh surreal for me especially part five um nice. one of my favorite one i made and one joshua deadman made of uh, deadman's grave nice very nice they look fantastic oh thank you this one's actually um going to its new home tomorrow Ah, uh, okay so I got to thank you first and foremost for um, coming on the show. You you've been very active in the in the horror community, so it's quite the honor for me as a fan to get to talk to you today. So I'm trying to stop marking out. <laughs> <laughs> um, you. Start with a little backstory on you. I know uh, you grew up in Texas, correct? Yes, my dad. What what's the best and worst thing about growing up in the Lone Star State? <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> It was very hot, uh, but the good stuff, um, I spent a lot of my time, life outdoors, which I love, and, uh, you know, had horses and lots of playtime, so that was a good thing. Oh, sounds very similar to me. I live in Georgia and grew up uh, on a horse farm. Oh, neat. And from what I understand, you come from quite a big family. You have quite the, the number of siblings. Yes, we do have a large family. Uh, there's nine of us. Three of them are step-siblings to me, and then there's six that came from my mother. So I come from a, a smallish family, so I, I wouldn't know. What are, what, what are the good and bad things about having uh, such an extended family? The good thing is there was always somebody to play with. The bad thing... Um, there was, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could really name something bad because, I don't know, it was really nice having so many kids, you know, to grow up with, you know? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Kind of like you had, you came with your own personal playground, you know, because <laughs> you got all these kids around you. Now, you got um, started in, you know, film and entertainment quite early. What, what was the catalyst for getting involved in, you know, entertainment? I was working at the Playboy Club. And um, the television show Dallas shot every summer in uh, the Dallas area. And I heard about it and decided to go out and um, audition. And um, I started out in an extra role. And then they hired me to be a stand-in behind the scenes, which I enjoyed most of all. Because uh, being there and being on set every day was just a lot of fun to uh, feel a part of 
you know, part of the family as opposed to just somebody visiting for the day. And then I did seven episodes that I had a speaking role and then a handful of other ones um, where I played extras in it, too. And how long did that show go on for? I don't know how many seasons it had, but it was a long time. Um, I don't know. Was it? I'm, I would just be guessing if I were to say seven or eight, but um, I'd have to go back and look. But it was hugely popular, no doubt about that. Before or, or even after Friday the 13th 5, were you a big horror fan? Um, I learned to become a horror fan later. Um, I've always been a huge chicken, and so it really doesn't take much to frighten me. You get that scary music going in an empty hallway, someone going down it, you know, particularly a vulnerable woman or a young child, and I know something's going to jump out in the night, and that was enough to send me under the table. So, but, um, you know, horror fans are pretty amazing. And uh, they would tell me, oh, you got to see this movie. you got to see that movie. You have to see this one. And as I started watching some of their recommendations and stuff, I was like, hey, this is pretty cool. I, You know, it's kind of a nice adrenaline rush. Oh, absolutely. I remember when I first saw Friday Five, I think it was second of the franchise I had seen. And it was like two in the morning in my buddy's ba- basement they him and uh, our other friend had watched it that day so they wouldn't watch it with me so they made me go down there by myself and watch it and oh no probably 11 years old maybe oh my gosh were you scared of the film not not per se because i had been watching horror films since i was six because my sister my older sister would use me as a as a shield of sorts to something to squeeze onto when she would get scared <laughs> uh, but little did I know that my friend's dad was hiding because their basement led to an extra room that went to their back porch. So he came kicking the door in, wearing <laughs> some kind of something, and kicked the door in, started screaming. They were on the stairs laughing at me. I fell out of the chair. It, oh, it was, it was a sight to see. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Now, of course, you you share a name with the main protagonist of the Friday franchise. Um, that play any role in, in you of the role of Tina coming to your attention or, or, or you getting involved with the Friday franchise? No, no, other than they were quite amused by it. But it's been in my family since at least the 1300s. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting that they use that for Jason's last name. But one of the things, there's a couple other coincidences that are really bizarre, is my grandfather's name was, of course, Voorhees. Well, my grandmother's name was Higgins, and you'll remember Higgins Haven in part three. And then Pamela, I've been told her middle name is Sue, and my middle name is Sue. So it's just That's really a series of bizarre coincidences. Well, were there any apprehensions in you taking the role since you were kind of a, a, a not so horror fan? Oh, no, not at all. I mean, when you're working on a film set, um, it's not scary because there's, you know, there's crew and grip and sound and everybody around you. It's actually quite fun. It's, you know, you basically dressing up for Halloween and playing a game of pretend. I've always heard that people say the worst sets to work on are comedy sets and the most fun are the horror sets. So that's probably (laughs) true. 
you know, I could really see that because comedy is, I mean, both of them have their levels of difficulty, but for acting, uh, comedy is really tough because of the timing. Um, but in horror, things are, it's a, it's a lot of fun because everything's about the edit and the angle and how you make it look like it's real when it's not. And it is kind of fun to do that. You know, okay, if I get a little piece of this shot, a little shot of this, 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 and this, and then I put it together and, oh, it's going to look great. It's going to look like this person was brutally murdered. And meanwhile, you know, you're all kind of laughing about it and just having fun. So uh, to me, it's just like getting dressed up for Halloween. Now, um, of course, you played Tina in Friday Five, uh, that kind of the bad girl, and the your death scene, which is of course the definitely most- not a bad girl, very much a good girl. Um, and your uh, of course most famous scene in the movie. Am I, was my research correct in saying that one that was your first day on set that yes. it also lasted thirteen hours? Well, yes, but it, there was a lot involved in it. It wasn't just that scene. It was taking it from the um, clothesline over to that and the kill itself. It took three hours just to get the mask on the face properly. So, I mean, that's pretty intense. But, you know, the um, the mask had to go over the eyes and stuff. And here, and there's where there, they had the spot where the bone was right there and um you have to make sure that there are no lines or of course it's not going to look real and that takes a long time and a lot of makeup to make it look smooth and natural like the rest of my skin a lot of people give uh, friday five especially you know because because tom savini wasn't on board for not having the best effect but i i would say between your you know the eye cuts on your face uh-huh. With the belt around him on the tree, those are some of the more realistic practical effects I think I've seen anywhere in the franchise. Right. I honestly, um, I haven't heard any complaints about um, the kills. In fact, if anything, it was kind of it was more of you know that it was Roy instead of Jason. But the original one was a different killer too. So really, all we did was go back to the original film with this and it was a bereaved parent again. So, um, but the, as far as the kills, the number of kills, the uh, brutality of the kills and stuff, and it was one of the most intense ones of the Friday the 13th, so. Did you have any input into the character of Tina? Did you add any of yourself into that uh, or any improvisations on screen? Um, well, of course, anytime you're at an actor in a film, you have to bring yourself to it. Uh, but, um, yeah, no, Tina was very different than who I am. But uh, I thought she was a lot of fun. I liked her. Um, so if you were to give an overall impression of the film, were there, were there any bad parts about making it? Nope. <laughs> what was your favorite, in t- of, of the overall experience, what was your favorite part of making the movie? I would just have to say that um, seeing how it's so long lasting and how many fans are out there and continue to love the series and um, seeing them respond and being so thoughtful and caring. Now, of course, you know, after the fact, the film itself this year is 34 years old. Have what changes Mm -hmm. have you seen as far as the fan base 
from 1985 to now, of course, other than the technological, excuse me, the technological boom, and of course, right. the, the vast number of growing conventions. Right. I think that it would be really tough to say, um, I guess because of the internet is probably a lot of why it is still so popular. Not that it wouldn't necessarily be, but I may not know about it. It was because of the internet that showed me that there were so many fans out there and how much they loved the series. I mean, I would get regular um, mail. I used to be a journalist with the Dallas Morning News, and I was a, actually a print journalist, not a broadcast journalist. And, um, you know, I would get things in the mail there. And so I knew there was a base, but it really wasn't until the Internet that I could really see the passion of the horror fans for the Friday the 13th franchise. I tell people being a part of the Friday the 13th franchise is akin to being a part of the Star Wars fan franchise in, you know, the um, space kind of stuff versus horror, you know. So it's pretty interesting. I really loved meeting the horror fans. Definitely one of the more dedicated fan bases. Have you ever seen any really good Tina cosplays? Actually, I have. Um, I have. I've had a few people uh, do that, um, which has been really interesting and fun. Working as a print journalist, I'm sure a lot of people would be surprised to know that you have a bachelor's in journalism. Right, I do. And I taught uh, British literature and journalism. I taught, taught American literature, too, but um, British literature has always been my um, first love. What was the most interesting thing about being a print journalist? What was the, the coolest stories you ever got to talk about? I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about it was that people would open up and talk to me. And I felt, always felt so honored that they would sit down and spend time with me. And, um, and I love that I basically could pick up the phone and call anybody and um, they would respond and so I just, yeah, it was really nice. I, and I loved um, exploring and learning about different people and the different things they did and just exploring the world. I was with the Dallas Morning News for a lot of years and also the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and a couple different magazines, too. So also for the Shakespeare Standard <laughs> online because <laughs> I'm a was passion for literature, uh, did the journalism lead into that, or was literature and teaching kind of a passion you always had? Literature was first, and um, journalism came second. Um, I had a passion for writing and for, you know, reading and just um, analyzing and looking at text, and um, just uh, looking at words, and where did they come from, and um, how did their meanings change over time? That sort of thing fascinated me. And um, I had been talking to, uh, I, was, I was studying to become a teacher, and um, I'm glad I didn't go that route, uh, because that later kind of ended up getting me into trouble. But um, I had a professor tell me, says, you know, your passion is writing. If you want to be a writer, you know, you need to dedicate yourself to that. And so I got up from her desk and went straight down to um, the administration office and changed my major to journalism. 
because I felt like that was probably the best way to go out and start just living my life and writing every day. And and I loved it. I loved being a journalist. How long did it last for you? How what? How long were you a teacher? I was a journalist, oh gosh, um, almost two decades. And how did that lead into teaching? Um, how well, long did that after I left journalism, I decided I had had it in the back of my mind that I really wanted to teach because I had some amazing teachers and I really wanted to give back. And But um, you may have heard I uh, ended up being thrown out of two high schools. And that's they just flat out, you know, didn't approve of Friday the 13th and my role in it. So I was like, well, OK, what am we going to do now? It was a very hurtful thing at the time because I loved my students and I loved teaching. Um, I was very passionate about teaching and wanting kids to really learn. Um, the biggest thing that I saw when I looked around is I felt like that the kids were not really getting the kind of education that they needed. Uh, they weren't being pushed. They were being coddled too much. Um, and, and that doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help anybody at all. And and it doesn't teach them. The biggest thing you can teach a, a child is how to learn for themselves. And so I was very passionate about that. And um, so it was very sad for me. But, you know, it just brought me back to my roots, back to filmmaking. And um, I started making films, I guess, 10 years ago. And... Um, now I'm doing 13 Fanboy, which is um, a horror thriller starring a lot of the Friday the 13th alumni and having a blast doing it. So it all works out. Now, of course, the story of 13 Fanboy generally being of someone who's stalking stars from the franchise. Right. Have you had any real life fan interactions that inspired that? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I would say that the vast majority of horror fans are really fantastic, but like in anywhere you end up with, um, there's always that person that's just a little off, a little bit strange. And, um, you know, I had a couple instances, they weren't huge, like some of the other actresses. That was the thing that I was surprised about after writing it with my my producing partners, Joel Paul Reisick, and he and I wrote it together. Um, I was surprised at how um, many of the women had had trouble with stalkers. Um, several of us had um, a, somebody coming and messaging us and basically saying, wouldn't it be cool if you died like you did in Friday the 13th? And it's like, no, um, being brutally murdered is not at the top of my list. In a movie, you know, it's fun, it's make-believe, you're being silly. and um, But in real life, no, not really what I'm looking to do. And um, then I had somebody um, send uh, text messages that um, were threatening in nature and claiming that he was watching me. You know, I think in both situations, they were probably just um, people being um, 
I guess you'd say insensitive. They were probably just joking around, but it's not very funny when you're on the receiving end. And so um, I had the, the idea came up because I was talking with my producing partner about another film and uh, we were working on and he just asked, he was curious what it was like to go to the horror conventions. Were they ever scary? And I said, well, I've certainly never had a scary moment at a horror festival. I said, the fans are really kind and everything. And he said, well, has anything happened? And I told him about those situations and he said, uh, he goes, that's our movie. And I'm like going, uh, no, <laughs> this is definitely not a place I'm planning on going. That's way too scary for me. Uh, you know, that's way, that's real life. You know, Jason is not scary to me. It's fun booze and scares and that sort of thing, but it's not scary because he's not real, but you start getting a fanboy, That's real that scary and so but after literally a few sleepless nights i was like if it scares me this much i can scare someone else let's do it so here we are the Damn halloween franchise you know went on dr phil was a similar situation of a of a, of a crazy fan and she ended up having to you know move cross country a couple of times changing phone who numbers. was it who uh, was Dan it Harris. Oh, really? I didn't realize that she had one. Yeah, she had. This was a few years ago. But yeah, she had one and, uh, you know, emails, letters, and, and just by the dozens. And mm -hmm. she went and talked about it. And she'd taken self-defense courses and all that and changing her address all the time. You know, just it, interesting to see what some people would take their fandoms to. And I guess in their own minds, they think it's just, you know, I'm being a good fan. But they, they may be, like you said, may not have all you know their cards in the right deck right <laughs> exactly so of course this is an independent movie not a fan mm -hmm. film how right. often do you, do you get people calling it a fan film when that of course it's not well i don't think that you know if it had been five years ago that we started this i don't think we would have had that but when we had never hike alone and several other uh fan films coming out a lot of people must took us for a fan film but we're not at all we're opening up in theaters and um you know so we're we're a regular film we're a small indie but um we're mighty so mighty of course because you know the cast list ranges like like andrew leedy from never hike alone <laughs> oh, yeah. Green, to tom matthews to kane hotter Corey feldman mm -hmm. so on and so forth were there any actors you wanted to be in the film that you were not able to get or that you did but didn't think you'd be able to? Right, right. Well, we didn't know. I mean, we didn't really know with anybody if we were going to be able to get them. Would somebody, you know, would they like our concept? Would they like the script? Um, it was really hard to tell. Um, Adrian King, we approached early on and she was interested in it. But she actually had a pretty severe situation with a stalker. Um, she tried, escaped all the way to London only to have him follow her there. And so um, the idea of having a stalker in, in a film where we're talking about real life and people are playing themselves. She's, she's not playing a character. She would be playing Adrian King. Yeah. And um, that was pretty scary to her. 
she since came around and said she's going to do a different role than the one that we first um, initially approached her with. Uh, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. We've got to get it shot first. But um, I'm hopeful that that'll work out. So, of course, you know, a teaser trailer has uh, a couple of them have been released. And from what I've seen of it, uh, especially with, with Andrew Levy, looks fantastic. Thanks. What is it? Was it a sense of legitimacy when you had all these big names agreeing to come on? Did it bring legitimacy to it? Did you Is feel like you had uh, legitimacy to it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, it, um, you know, it showed that we had really great interest and stuff. Um, the, this teaser that we just released, that's actually the only thing that is a part of actually shot and for the film. The other early on, uh, it was actually a promo just for Indiegogo. So none of that is actually going to be used okay. uh, in the film itself. But, um, but yeah, no, it was just, uh, you know, it was one of those things that it just, things just started snowballing and um, getting more and more, um, you know, intense um, as more and more people came on board and became interested in the film. It was pretty exciting. Anyone in particular you're excited to work with? Oh, I'm excited to work with everybody. Um, but I mean, I've, I've absolutely adore, um, you know, some of the newcomers coming on board, like Haley Greenbauer. She's one of our leads. She's just a brilliant young actress. Andrew Laity is um, an amazing actor. Vincent um, DeSante, who's doing our stunt work and stuff for us, and he has a role in the film. He... Um, He's just brilliant to work with. Um, and then from the old school, uh, Friday the 13th people, we've got, you know, Kane Hodder. He was a true delight to have on set. Um, he was funny and, um, you know, just a damn good actor. He had some really intense scenes and stuff. And, um, you know, it's easy to think of Kane Hodder as he's this big silent guy that, you know, just plays the monster but you know he's also happens to be a talented actor as well and then um his scenes were with jennifer banco which reunited them which was wonderful and then uh lar park lincoln she had some really intense roles i mean this film is about is really about reality um it's not um it's the kind that you know when you go out to the parking lot at the end of the movie, you're worried because it's very realistic as opposed to at the end of a Friday the 13th, you don't really think that Jason's going to be there to attack you in the parking lot, you know? So, but in this, it's a whole nother feel to it. Um, and then, I mean, who did I not just absolutely adore? Tracy Savage was just a wonderful person to work with. She was so funny. In fact, when, um, you go see the uh, behind the scenes stuff. I have a feeling she's going to have uh, one of the funniest moments. I can't imagine anybody topping her moment that um, she did for us. That was hysterical. And it was all her. She did it on her own. And then when Corey was on set, that was an amazing shoot as well. He, um, man, he basically took our basic idea and then ran with it with total improving it. 
and uh, his improv was quite hysterical. So um, that was wonderful. I just, yeah, I mean, there's not a single, you know, person that uh, wasn't just an absolute gem. I enjoyed it so much. Um, yeah, we had, we really had some amazing shoot days. Some of those days you're just kind of like pinching yourself. How lucky are we, <laughs> you know? And like you said, some of the, some of the biggest names in the franchise and, you mm-hmm. talk about the realism of it, which is why films like Scream have become so popular, because it's something that could actually happen to you in real life. It's not ghosts. It's not monsters. It's not zombies right. and hockey mask. It's something that could happen to anybody, which right. is genuine right. scare, not, you know, as opposed to just like jump scares or anything. This is something that could happen to any normal person. And you think, well, who'd be crazy enough to stop Kane Hodder? He's <laughs> big old lumbering, you know, Jason, but... It could happen. Absolutely. It's, you know, we all bleed at the end of the day, you know. And, um, of course, we have Dee Wallace. Oh my God. Is there a bigger Hollywood icon? I mean, she's just amazing. You know, um, everything from E.T., Howling, Cujo, Halloween. Um, yeah, she's brilliant. So I'm looking forward to working with her. How far in production are you? Uh, we are about a fourth of the way through, um, well, a little more than fourth of the way through on shooting. And um, we have, um, gosh, um, I don't know how many days yet because we haven't fully worked out the schedule. But I would say a minimum of 24 more days of shooting to go. Is there um, a goal that you guys have in mind as far as a theatrical release date? Um, right now, I don't really want to throw too much out there other than we're hoping for 2020. Okay. Um, and how big of a theatrical, I know, of course, we're, you know, independent film, but how many theaters are you trying to get into? I mean, of course, as many as possible. Right, right. Um, right now, we've been offered, um, anywhere from 350 to 750 screens. So we'll see. That's not bad. That's not bad, especially not not for an indie film. Of course not. Um, Of course, you know, you've done a lot in your career from Mm -hmm. and all the way from modeling now to in the director's seat. And I read a quote of yours, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, saying that you have regrets in your life and that a lot of other people will kind of lead like a life of quiet desperation and kind of afraid to take chances and, and, you know, take that leap of faith and, and, and go for it. What do you say to the people that may pray to kind of follow their passions? That what do I say to those who are wanting to follow their passions? Yeah, but maybe afraid to. uh, Oh, that are afraid to? You got to get over it. Um, and you know that's really where um, that's where the line is right there. You either have the guts to get out there and do it or you don't. And I don't think that everybody necessarily has to live the same life I have. I think many people can live wonderful lives and not necessarily follow their passion. And then they end up falling into something and that they end up loving and it's just right for them and, and things. But yeah, if you want to do something like, you know, going to Hollywood or making movies or writing that book or starting that podcast or whatever it is that really matters to you, 
do it. Just do it. Don't, no excuses. Just do it. Um, you don't have to wait for, you want to make a movie. You think, oh gosh, I've got to get $5 million and I've got to um, get, you know, Tom Cruise in the lead. Well, good luck with $5 million. <laughs> but, um, you know, the reality is you can make a film for a whole lot less, learn your craft, get yourself out there, do the work, prove that you can do it. And maybe somewhere along the way, someone might hire you, but don't even worry about somebody else hiring you. Don't expect that somebody else is going to make your dreams come true for you. Make them for yourself and make your own movies and step out there. And, you know, lots of people will always say, I'm going to write that book. I'm going to make that movie. I'm going to do this. And they don't. They just don't. So, because, and they find a thousand excuses. You know, when I did my first film, I didn't have two pennies to rub together to put into it. You know, I made it on a shoestring and, you know, and I've made all my films on a shoestring. This is actually my biggest budget, which isn't a huge budget. And so, you know, there's, there's no excuses. Don't give me your excuses. I don't want to hear it. And don't whine and don't complain and don't cry about it. Either do it or don't do it. But don't cry about it and don't whine. <laughs> uh, I, I don't even know how to tell you how much I hate whining. <laughs> I'm a, uh, a lot like my literature teacher in high school. Oh, really? <laughs> well, one of them anyway. I had one that she was just absolute dream and, and was probably one of my bigger advocates in high school. And then the other one that was not so much. Right. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You know, oh, thank you. Not, not the biggest production here, not the most expensive set, but it means the world to me as someone who grew up watching these films that were such a big part of my childhood mm. and now into my adult life. It's something that I'm fortunate enough that even as a side hobby, I get to, you know, enjoy artistically. And having you on has just been the biggest honor. I can't thank you enough. Well, thank you so much, Dylan. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed talking with you. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much for doing this and helping us get the word out. Um, speaking of which, where can people find you and find information about the film? You can go to Facebook. Um, I have a horror group called Deborah Voorhees Sheer Horror. And it's spelled like the garden shears instead of sheer like scare. And um, I know a couple of people initially they were going, do you misspell? No, <laughs> it's a play on words. <laughs> and then um, uh, you can also, there's 13 fanboy on, on Facebook. Those I'm on more, but I'm trying to get on Instagram and Twitter more. But frankly, those things confuse the hell out of me. I don't know how to share. I don't know how to do all that stuff. And it confuses the hell out of me. But, um, and then uh, you can also go to learn more about us at our Indiegogo. We still have that up. Since we exceeded our goal, it's still up. And we just put up some new perks and things. And we're going to be doing some props and putting some props up there before too long. You know, things where there's just like one item two items three items or something like that and then um you can also go to Voorhees films so voorheesfilms.com so all right ladies and gentlemen uh until next time 
Go check out all those places that Ms. Voorhees just listed. I know I'm super excited for 13 Fanboy, and I will be first in line for a ticket, as should all of you. Uh, for Ms. Voorhees, I'm Dylan Cloud, and this has been The Cutting Room Floor. You're listening to Halloween Unleashed. Shut your fire.